Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage a comedian who always can identify exactly what gender every audience is. <laughs> <laughs> it's John Hastings, everybody! All right. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Sunday at the Edinburgh Festival. All the dicks of Saturday have gone home, or the pills have caused them to be calmer than they were. It, uh, everyone is having a nice time. It is a beautiful temperature in the room where it's, it's approaching that area of your body between your testicles and your asshole, if you're a boy, known as the gooch. And if you're a girl, you don't have one, but just know it's hot. <laughs> This is Anything Can Be A Podcast podcast. The audience is in a very good mood because of me. One woman was nervous, but I think she's okay now. Um, It was a very amazing day for me. I did something this morning. Uh, I lived a dream. It's very difficult in show business. You you, you lose sight of why you started doing it. Uh, I don't know what you guys do. I'm sure some of you all have dreams for your life. Like you, sir, what what is one of your dreams? This is your dream, and you are living it. Here I am in the flesh. You never thought I would be real. People say, oh, you look much more normal in photographs. Yes, Photoshop is an ally, as opposed to the weird barrel shape and head so large, it could only be on this body. That's the thing with my proportions, is they work for me, but you put me next to a normal person, and you go, what happened to that man? He looks like he's constructed out of bits of other bigger people but all the bits aren't for that body. Like I have a perfectly square torso, yet it is a, what was that noise? Anyway, I lived a dream this morning. I, uh, I grew up watching a show called Whose Line Is It Anyway? You guys all familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. And, and Alex, you're very young. You're how old? 12. You're 12. So when I was your age, minus five, there was seven. I can do math too. Uh, there was a TV show always on, do you know who, what Whose Line Is It Anyway is? No, I will. T- no, you can say no. Uh, no, it allows me to explain it. Even if he does know, it's better this way. <laughs> it was a, it was an improv show, and it was four or it was four improvisers hosted by a guy named Clive Anderson. It was the weirdest show to ever see because there's no. It's seeing British television when you're in North America is jarring because up until about 2005. Your TV producers didn't try. It was just like, what is it? Okay, it's set in a hospital. Screw it. Black background. Make a beeping noise. Don't even dress them in scrubs. Just let them wear whatever clothes they want. (laughs) Doctor Who, until it was rebooted, was literally every third episode, he just had to figure out a math equation on a chalkboard. (laughs) We have to solve, fix, uh, save London. But first, nibbles. Like, it was just... Like, everyone talked, oh, British television in the 70s. Oh, so much better. Really? The black and white minstrel show. You're going to defend that, huh, Britain? Oh, yeah, it was ironic, we'll say quickly. Um, but Whose Line Is Anyway? It was, on, it was on every day, and I loved it. It was people improvising. It was one of the reasons I got into comedy, is watching these people be so funny and unique, and watching Clive Anderson, who was the host. For those of you who don't know who Clive Anderson, he was like, imagine Jeremy Clarkson, but pleasant. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like he, I'm, I, I don't, like I don't know what Clive's politics are, but because of his class, we all assume certain things about him, and we know that he's become a man of culture and he's a man of the people. Well, Jeremy Clarkson, it just sort of seems like he's somewhere eating money. <laughs> like Bruce Forsyth died this week, and, and as a, by the way, as a Canadian, I don't know who any of your celebrities are. So whenever someone dies, I have to be like, okay, what's happened to him in like the last five years? See, for those of you listening at home, the tension there is a lot of British celebrities in the last five years, it turned out real pests, let's say. 
so when they die it goes one of two ways either there's sort of a sense of relief because we don't have to sit through an awkward trial where your childhood is ruined or people are genuinely sad what's interesting David Bowie a man who did date a 14 year old everyone was just like it's fine though have you heard Rocket Man <laughs> and then someone's like that was an Elton John song he's like I know but it reminds me of David Bowie <laughs> I'd like to point out you guys also did not remember that was an Elton John song right away <laughs> what song was I thinking of Starman Starman I was thinking of I'm glad you're here <laughs> for those of you at home he just reached out for a handshake and I took it <laughs> hello sir how are you very good you're gonna squeeze in sure. all right if you want there's some space here you can sit on the ground at my feet do it <laughs> Come sit at my feet. You don't have to. You've made it much more weirder than it needed to be. What is your name, brother? Richard. Richard. Richard, did you ever watch Whose Line It Is Anyway as a child? Uh, yeah. So did I. Back in. Now. <laughs> so as a child, I would watch it every day. And it was amazing. And it's one of those things when you're a kid, you don't know that television is a thing you can be on. Maybe you guys did. But I was like, how does this what they must live in this box um and it was one of those things and i never thought i would ever be a part of that because it stopped being a show and then they brought it back again and again and again and again and uh, yesterday i was walking with my mom and my uh, agent who's producing the live version of it in edinburgh called him was like john i i've been an improviser i've taught improv uh, i like improv i prefer stuff like this because i don't like working with other people and i also find that a lot of conventions of theater is very strange because it doesn't acknowledge that there's people in the room like shakespeare is beautiful and amazing but it needs to be presented to the right people i would much rather see the best production of shakespeare i've ever seen it was done by a group in new york called the worcester group and what they did was they all do you know what i'm talking about? they are the ones on acid what they did was have you seen the video of the production of it of the clip okay so they took they learned sh uh, hamlet they rehearsed it they rented a theater then they all took in an intense amount of acid and then staged the play videotaped it and that is how they did hamlet on stage for the next six weeks it's amazing hamlet does not leave the stage <laughs> even though he's not there for two acts when uh, um, uh, Ophelia is the woman, the, the princess, when she dies, she doesn't die. They, and Ophelia's dead and she keeps walking in because she thinks she has more lines. <laughs> and then some amazing things happen. For example, the ghost, the character of the ghost got confused on what was backstage and what was on stage. And so when he's supposed to be on stage giving lines, he's backstage shouting. <laughs> and when he's supposed to be on stage, he's on stage just bewildered. <laughs> It's amazing, and it actually truly, it sort of represents, because Hamlet, Shakespeare's amazing because there's no context given. You have to understand that it's not like he is a modern playwright who went to these places and researched. He was literally in London, told, we do not like Danish people. Make them look like savage idiots who believe in ghosts, unlike us, the English, who only believe in magic. <laughs> And so he wrote that. It was a lot more propaganda-based than you realize. It's why uh, uh, Macbeth, who said it on stage, yee! you're not supposed to say Macbeth on stage. Luckily, I'm not on stage. I'm in a room we broke into. 
uh, Macbeth was it was totally a, a work of ab- obviously a work of absolute fiction, but it was also uh, written and 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 basically paid for by the Crown of England to make sure that sentiment against the King Macbeth was actually very good because he was a very noble king of Scotland. Yeah, you get the fuck out, goddamn Jacobeans. You tell William of Orange I'm coming for him. I don't really know the historical context of what I just said. Hopefully I'm on the right side. It's always awkward when you're not. Like yesterday, we were walking down the street, and my uncle, John, I love him to bits. He's a very gregarious man, and he also just, he'll joke and talk with everyone. And in the Edinburgh Festival, you you can't do that to everybody, because some of you have been drinking. (laughs) And he has a very bubbly personality. We're walking along, and just a hard man. Like, I would say the C word, but there's a child here, and I don't want to have him then say it, because it's just weird when a 12-year-old says curse words, because you're like, man, it sounds so much more fun when you do it. (laughs) And this guy, just pink t-shirt, like Ben Sherman, like, you know who I'm talking about. Like, he's literally, he has a dent in his hand, and there's a Stella indent in it. And, <laughs> and he's walking by, and my uncle just goes, EastEnders! You were on EastEnders! And the guy looks at my uncle, and I go, you cannot say that to people at all. And I go, sorry, man. And the guy was like, mm-hmm. and he's like, why? He looked like he was on EastEnders. And I was like, no, 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 no. Because some people aren't from the East End of London. And they take that as an insult, and then you're getting into a philosophical argument with a former diplomat. So even if you're in the right, you're not going to win, because he'll just start bringing up like ancient lore from Zimbabwe that somehow proves his point. Aren't we all from the East End of London, John? In our way, I guess. <laughs> yeah, we've all thought about genes that are far too tight, but doesn't mean that we're all from there. <laughs> anyway, so my uh, agent called me yesterday. Said we have a gap. Do you want to be on whose line is it anyway? And I said, yes. And he went, there's one thing. Clive Anderson's a little unsure if you're a good improviser, so you have to go meet him. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. That won't be weird at all, (laughs) meeting a man from the television, just walking in. And I literally go, Clive Anderson is, I think, the most English human being I've ever met in my entire... When I walked in, he went, ah, jolly good to see you. I didn't know that English people still spoke like that. Jolly good, John. And we sat down and we went through the games and he went, I think you'll be a quite spirited performer. And I was like, do you know the queen? I didn't say that, but I did think it. (laughs) As much as I've lived here for almost six years, I still get absolute kick out of it when British people are alarmingly, like anytime a Scottish person goes pal, I'm just like, no, you're you're my pal though. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know William Wallace? Never mind, never mind. And with English people, it's when they're very poncy and posh. I just am like, do you own a boat? What was Diana like? I feel like she would have had weird breath. That's just me. Here's the thing with Princess Diana. I like her, but for a good six months, I forgot who she was. It's very weird. My mom, big fan of Princess Diana. The only time I ever saw my mom stay up all night was when Princess Diana died, and I was like... What was I, like 12? Uh, 20 years ago. So 12. <laughs> Just testing to see if I could still do math in my head. Uh, and it's the only time I ever saw her stay up all night and I remember I woke up the next morning my mom was just sat by the television and you know when something big in the news happens and you go from really sad to just pissed off there's no new updates? 
You know, it's, it's hard to admit. It's, this past year has really exemplified it because a lot of shocking things have happened in the news and you just want to cut forward five days so you see how it all pans out. Uh, but the Diana one was the first one I remember and I walk in and I said to my mom, I said, Mom, what happened? She went, Princess Diana's dead. And now they're just showing us her wedding and I don't know why I'm watching it. <laughs> And, uh, and so I meet Clive Anderson and we, we chat and he goes, okay, come watch the show. And I watched 20 minutes of the show and I was feeling fine and good about it and all that sort of stuff. I went and did another show. I do this show late and live some nights, which is like this show. Only imagine all of you are on angel dust and don't like me. You laugh, but at any time hosting that show, I feel like someone is going to stab me in the kidneys. Like last night, there was a guy in the Navy, and the problem is, is the green room is literally just right there, and you can see us because we don't close the doors because it's hot, because it's the Edinburgh Festival, where it's always cold outside, but tropical in nature inside. It's basically like Scotland's like, listen, we have a lot of junkies. We want you to know how it feels to be them. So when you're outside cold, inside, you want to do heroin. Recently, I think someone explained to me heroin in a way that I would never do it, but it made me really think about it, which is he said, here's the, being a comedian in the show business, you meet people who have done everything. I know a guy whose name is actually Jolly Goodfellow. I know a woman whose birth name is for she's a good fellow. I know people. If you want to ever have a crazy off, I will beat you. Oh, yeah? Me and my friends are going to beat you up. Oh, you might beat me up, but if I make the right phone calls, you're going to have to deal with a man who has a disease named after him and two different people with penis tattoos. So, one of them is fire truck, but it spells something different depending on how he's feeling in the moment. That guy, by the way, not even in show business anymore. Now, teacher. I would like to just go to one class and find a few students that don't like him and drop that piece of information. That of all the people I've ever met is the biggest turnaround. When I knew him, he was a, like a druggy comedian in Montreal, had been homeless, disappeared for two months because he wanted to ride the rails. In Canada, you still have people that jump on trains and ride them like hobos in the 30s. I, you guys would do that here in England, but the trains just don't go anywhere. Just jump on the rails, this train's delayed. I'll walk, I guess. <laughs> I hate that joke because I take trains all the time and I want them to work better and it's amazing that you can get everywhere on network on this on a network on the network rail on this island it's just that they make you earn it because it starts you're in a beautiful virgin train and it's lovely that weird wood paneling that's actually plastic but you're like oh how classy I bet you Richard Branson has sat in this seat and then you're going to like some weird town that's a bit off the beaten track so you get off that train and then you get onto some sort of armor carrier from the Cold War just one driver with a, an eye patch smoking a cigar like he just hunted Jaws. 63 men in the water. Jaws is a movie. Have you seen Jaws? It's awesome. It's not how I would describe it. I would describe it as terrifying to no end. Oh good, we are recording. Don't act like we haven't recorded all of them. One of them, we did miss some great stuff. Not this one, it is recording. Now, so you saw Jaws. How old were you when you saw Jaws? Your, your parents showed you Jaws? No, Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park. That's a weird way to go, because Jurassic Park is not nearly as terrifying as Jaws, because in Jurassic Park, it does seem like the adults know what they're doing. In Jaws, 
well, now that I've watched, I watched it again recently, and all I could think was Coast Guard. Call the Coast Guard. <laughs> Instead, they're just like, there's a shark, what do we do? Well, this sheriff who just came into town, who clearly has a drinking problem, has a friend who's the scariest man we've ever met. And don't ask us why this professor is summering during what clearly are working hours. They're gonna get a boat and kill a shark. Any other questions? For example, why is there a shark in waters a shark's never been before? <laughs> Global warming, let's do it. Which was scarier for you, Jurassic Park, Jaws? No. None. See, you got ice water in your veins, Alex. I'm not good no, with... I have bad eyes. You have bad eyes? <laughs> it's the greatest way to not be frightened at all. Oh, I would have been terrified. I just couldn't see the movie. I assumed everything was fine. I thought they were screaming in glee. Are you telling me that raptor wasn't a clever girl? Pardon me? It actually is, because raptors were actually very clever. How do you know that? You're only 12. Oh, okay, so you've researched it. I thought just the way you said that in that tone, you were like, I know some dinosaurs. I was afraid you're one of them Christians that believes Jesus rode a dinosaur. Which, by the way, I am, I'm agnostic, which if you're atheist, weirdly, you hate me more than religious people, I learned. Is there anyone here who's like an ar ardent atheist? Are there atheists here? Yeah. yeah. Do, how do you guys feel about agnostics? Uh, so they have a cream for that now. <laughs> I don't persecute your lack of belief. Don't persecute my questioning. It's very rude, but they do have one, yes. Unfortunately, it's produced by the Catholic Church, so we don't buy it. There's nothing wrong with that joke. You just made it weird in your head. But you guys went like this about agnostics. Why did you go like this? I just find it a fascinating thing. I think it's a poorly understood term. A, I mean, this isn't a very funny like, line. So. <laughs> you got laughs off of that? Don't worry about the comedy. I'll figure it out. And if not, I'll finish this whose line is it anyway anecdote and actually start the show. <laughs> I see I'm probably an atheist this is what atheists say all the time and I get really cheesed off about it because it's like no I just don't know it's just like here's the thing you guys have a great gang you got Pendulette. Yeah, Pendulette. you got that other guy who says fairy tales are bad so you're just lonely. no no there's lots of great agnostics <laughs> me comedian Dana Gould Martin Moe Oh, don't even start talking to her about religion because she, she thinks being agnostic is an atheist because I said, I'm agnostic. She went, that's an atheist, John. And I said, well, no, it's not. It's an agnostic. And she went, if you're at heaven, do you think God knows the difference? And I was like, yes, I do think he would know the difference. If God is real, he's probably like, listen, there's a lot of varied terms in terms of belief. At this point, I've got bigger fish to fry. There's a whole whack of Scientologists up here. And they are making me uncomfortable. And I am both a man and a woman and a walrus. I really hope if any of religion is real, I do hope the Scientology one was right. Because as weird as that would be, it would be really fun if just all this non-Scientologists were like, well, they did tell us. Because technically speaking, Scientology is the only religion that actually yields results. John Travolta, when he was 20, wanted to be famous and did not want to be a gay man. And he is famous, and you cannot legally prove he's a gay man. There are a lot of pilots that will say otherwise. 
but they are legally bound not to say it in public. Scientology is like, you know when you're really tired and you put something weird in the refrigerator like your shoes? Yeah, imagine that was a belief system. <laughs> Ava, you had a point? No. Good. <laughs> Run to the hills. It's an Iron Maiden song. I'm going to have to use the part at the beginning to make that joke work because you guys did not laugh enough for it to just be a non sequitur. Anyway, so last night, late and live, I left the show feeling a little tense. My uncle came to the show. He loved it. He likes it when I improvise, and he also likes it when I yell at people. I don't know what it is, and I yelled at a lot of people. A man farted in the front row, and it was loud enough that I heard it over the cheer of the crowd. That's loud. It's 350 drunk British people. You guys make fun of Americans for whooping. You guys have two glasses of rosé, and it sounds like the train is hitting another train. And both trains had choirs on them. And yeah, he literally just front row just went like... And just, like a typical man who's farted, just, I know how to get away with this. I'll do nothing. <laughs> As all of his friends are just like, that was your bum. <laughs> so it was a bit of a weird night. I got him into a taxi cab. Gotta love. Listen, Edinburgh taxi drivers, anytime before 3 a.m., if they could just die. <laughs> I hate them. They're always driving into the pedestrian section when the light is green. Yesterday, I flipped one off and I wanted to fight him. And you know what? He was a jerk because he swore at me, but he kept his window rolled up. Be a man or a woman, an adult. Roll down your window and then swear at someone. Because my plan was throw all my flyers at his windshield. Now, it's not a good plan because my face and where I will be for one hour every day is on them. Luckily, I didn't do that, but I did think about it pretty heavily. Because, listen, that would not have been the best show I've ever done, but the audience there would have remembered me and a taxi driver getting into a fight. How was the show? Violent, yet amusing. So I wake up this morning. I uh, did my typical thing when I wake up. I check and see how my other flatmates are doing. Uh, one of them last night. Uh, there's a child here, so I will be delicate. Did cocaine. And... Uh, <laughs> And he was, uh, he was still asleep, but there were remnants of someone who had had a heavy night. One shoe in the hallway, the other one outside. Jacket on the sofa, trousers in the bathroom, pants in the kitchen. I don't know what he got up to, but I feel like it was very disorganized. Uh, I walk uh, into Newtown, which is what all us fringe folk call the part of Edinburgh everyone actually uses, as opposed to this weird medieval hovel that only is really activated one month of the year. I've been in Edinburgh the rest of the year, and you come over here and it's just students, like they're at the like the, the base of, of Mordor and Lord of the Rings. <laughs> Do you have meat? Like, it's just... And then you go over to Newtown and it's like polished and nice and just, oh, hello, welcome to Scotland. Would you like a square sausage? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. And I walked to the assembly rooms and as, as I got to the assembly rooms, oh no, and I ran into my home. We, we both walked into a Pret-a-Manger because listen, you guys can look down on us. I like Pret-a-Manger. What do you want? We have every type of food group for under five pounds and all of our staff are on the verge of quitting. <laughs> I've never walked into a Pret-a-Manger and seen a happy person. It's just someone you can just see. It's just like one more person. I'm, gonna, I'm just quitting. I'm going to quit. 
I saw one time, I didn't see someone quit, but I uh, was in a uh, Pret-a-Manger in Soho in London. Great place, because it's the perfect mix of business people and homeless people who, who really do not care. And this homeless woman walked in, and she decided to steal some sandwiches. Did she do something creative, like put it under her jacket? No, she just grabbed four sandwiches and said, I'm taking these, <laughs> and then went into the toilet for a bit, which I thought was bold. So she's like, I'm stealing, but first, I gotta drop a deuce. And so she went in there. The staff were by the door. They didn't close the door. I don't know if you guys know this about doors, but they have an opening and closing function. And if you close them, it creates essentially a wall that you can open when you want to. They did not exercise this. Instead, just one of them put his arm over the door, and this person walked through and went, let me through, let me through. And he's like, you can't. You stole those four sandwiches. And she said, no, I didn't. And then he went, yeah, you did. You said you were going to steal them. And she went, well, now I'm not stealing them. And then she just broke them all and then tried to leave. And he's like, you can't do that. Well, now we're calling the police. And then she went, no, you can't. You hit me. And that's when I stood up. I was with my girlfriend. I wouldn't have stood up if I wasn't with my girlfriend. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just honest. I know the rest of you are going, not me. I would have stood up if I was by myself. Oh, really? I didn't realize you were all liars. <laughs> Would you have stood up if you were by yourself? No. Thank you, sir. The rest of you, be like him. <laughs> Wear shorts and look damn good doing it. <laughs> You're British, right? You're, you people are not the best at selecting short trousers. <laughs> You've done right. You gotta make sure that they're over the knee. I don't know what happened in this country where you guys went, mm-mm, top of the thigh. <laughs> you know the imagination? I leave nothing to it. And also, by the way, far too tight, but not in the display area, on the, on the leg. So it makes it seem like your legs are trying to escape because of the fashion choice you've made. <laughs> Instead, you're in the cargo short, which has gotten a lot of heat in the last few years. It's wrong. Cargo shorts are perfect for any type of holiday. Keys, wallet, receipts, whatever you want. <laughs> I sometimes put candy in one of the pouches. It's risky because it melts, but then you just have a fun treat for later. <laughs> so I walk into the assembly rooms. Oh, we're finishing this story. I ran into my mom. She was going to the book festival. I give her a big hug. I walk in, and that's when it hit me. It's like, oh my God, I am doing something that was a dream. And I walk up the stairs, and I walk in, and there's Colin Mockery, who's one of the best improvisers in the world, and he walks up, and he goes, hi, John. I'm excited for the show. And I wanted to say something cool like, yeah. Instead, I said, Colin Mockery. <laughs> As if I was naming him. They'll call you Colin, right? And another guy, Steve Frost. Steve Frost I've known before. Uh, he's the best. He's the best, funnest dude in a pub in the entire world of British comedy because he's always just up for one more pint. Do you know that guy in your life that you don't know well enough to ever get into a deep conversation but just one off? You go, I want one more drink. And he goes, well, I've just ordered seven. <laughs> And none of them are for me. And you're like, oh, you're trying to get me drunk, Steve, but we'll talk about art. And also, you, for some reason, have black ear hair, yet white hair hair. And I've never asked you about it, but it's all I ever think about. <laughs> and, and then an, uh, a woman named Ruth Burr, who's in a show called Showstoppers. If you haven't seen Showstoppers, go see it. They improvise an entire musical. It, have you guys seen it? I've seen it, yeah. Yeah, see, it's out of the yeah. world, isn't it? Because you sit there going, there's no way they fucking pull this off. And then they do, and you're like, huh, well... Well done. <laughs> what was the musical style they did when you did it? Um, it was set in a royal retirement home. What? Yeah. A graveyard? <laughs> <laughs> a retirement home 
for ex-kings and queens. Graveyard. <laughs> they were alive, though. I know, that was the joke I was making. <laughs> I think I got you, but that's fine. (laughs) Who's your favorite dead member of the royal family? Me, Queen Mother. (laughs) I don't know why, I just liked her. There was something about her. She just had this, the way she smiled, she smiled like, can you fucking believe you people are paying for this? (laughs) I just loved it. There was something in her eye where she's like, ha, I'm going to go pet a corgi. Thanks again for all the cash. (laughs) (laughs) Least favorite, I'm going to say it, Prince Philip. He doesn't smile right. In a way, I've never seen him smile. And I've seen him holding great-grandchildren. If you're holding your great-grandchild, you're at least being like, I have lived a good life. Something that came out of me made something else that came out of them that made something else that came out of them. And I'm wearing a sword. (laughs) I can fly a helicopter. I don't even know how, but I can. They're not going to stop me. Man, Prince Philip just shows up at the airport. I'm flying the Concorde. Concorde hasn't worked in 10 years. I said I'm flying the Concorde. That's why if any member of the royal family gets dementia, that will be a great couple of weeks. Uh, This morning, Queen Elizabeth just declared war on France. She yelled 1066 and then threw a toasty at a corgi. The French have laughed and closed the channel. We didn't know they had a door. We usually go by the pret-a-manger method, which is we just put our arm over the front of the tunnel. Game set and match, Francois. Oh, we're doing very well for time. Now, so I walk in, say hello to Colin Mockery, say hello uh, to Steve Frost, say hello to Ruth, and then uh, Clive comes over to me and he goes, now there will be some singing, and Brett, who's my agent, has uh, told me you're very good at uh, improvised singing. Now, Brett knows me, and Brett knows that I am a liar. <laughs> in any type of show thing, there's a big, there's two types of performers. One, who will lie and go, can you do this? Yeah. And then we'll spend the time between that lie and when they're actually having to do the thing, learning how to do it well enough that it just looks like you're having a bad day doing the thing you're very good at. <laughs> Once I got hired to be a pianist for an improvathon in 2004. I had not played the piano in... 12 years. I think the last time I played piano was when an episode of Whose Line Is It Anyway was on. And then Princess Diana died, and I thought, no more of this fall to roll. I am no longer a child. And I called a friend of mine who's a piano teacher, and I was like, I have to play piano for 36 hours. Can you teach me how to do that? And he said, no, but I can teach you seven chords and how to lie. And I went, you're the man for the job. So he taught me uh, the, the Charlie Brown theme, and then a bunch of chords, and he just went, just hit those in any order, and it should sound fine. And then he went, if it's horror, just go, da-da! And if it's romance, just go find some high keys and go, and I did. And they, it took them 20 hours to figure out I did not know what I was doing. <laughs> and it was when they said, play the blues, and I just mimed a harmonica into a microphone. <laughs> But guess what? I'm still a performer, and the man who organized that got mad cow disease and is now dead. <laughs> Not saying the two things are connected, except I did feed him a burger that. No, I didn't. He's not actually dead. Turned out he was mixed diagnosed, and he just had amnesia from hitting his head. 
weirdest thing to hear about in the entire world because all you think is and I know what you're all thinking right now you're going I've hit my head and sometimes I don't know where my keys are maybe just me anyway so he, Clive says that to me and I go okay yeah that's fine I know how to sing I don't I'm not good at singing I'm not, I have no rhythm I've played a lot of instruments and here's what you learn when you have no rhythm when you play instruments you're not good at it but here's the trick with doing anything you don't know how to do do it with confidence and people will be uncomfortable, but they will come again. <laughs> Remember from the top? That was a fun callback that I hadn't planned. Anyway, so we get on stage, and we're waiting to be brought on stage, and they bring out Colin first, and Colin's a TV star. Giant, crazy cheer. Steve Frost looks at us and goes, now you all get golf claps. And I was like, that's true. And then they bring him out, big cheer. He was on the television show. Ruth goes out, big cheer. And then uh, Clive goes, and now for the first time ever, two Canadians on stage. Now this is one thing that British people do that I despise, that you guys all assume that Canadians either are all know each other or that if we meet, it's like two halves of the atomic nucleus joining and we're about to explode. It's not that exciting. It's just two people going, hey, Young Street, or Vancouver, and then they go Young Street, and you're like, oh, you're cool, and then they go, oh, actually, Vancouver, and you go, mm, no. <laughs> That's how, because there's all divides in every other country. You guys here in, in Scotland, it's either Edinburgh or Glasgow, or if you're real crazy, Aberdeen. <laughs> Where are you from? <laughs> I'm from Sydney, but I live here, so I don't know what that makes me. Well, there's the great Australia feud of Melbourne thinks it's better than everyone else, and everywhere else goes, no. <laughs> right? Yeah. Here's the thing with Australia. Sydney, I've never been, but everyone goes, you have to see Sydney. And then you get to Melbourne and they just go, oh, Sydney. With all their architecture and nice weather, they think they're better than us. And I was like, yeah, I think they are better than you. <laughs> better than Melbourne? I'm not a fan of either, really. Not a fan of Sydney? Yeah, exactly. How long have you been over? Because here's the thing with Australia. You think because the weather's nice, they'd be good people. I'm lovely. You're great, but where do you live? Well, I, well, I live here for now, and then I've got to go back because I didn't marry someone in time together. <laughs> I don't know how Australia has businesses, because every Australian you meet, you're just like, I'm here for a bit, then I'm going to Germany, arms running. Anyway, uh... Yeah, I'm just on a bit of a gap year from school. I'm 47. I left when I was 10. <laughs> it's fascinating. It's a great way to do it because every Australian has seen the world and yet for some reason does not want the world to visit. That is a fun joke about Australia's immigration policy. Uh, not their most recent prime minister, but the one back or two back? Tony Abbott, great guy. Loved being photographed in a Speedo. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If you are the leader of a country and you're photographed with your shirt off, you're a dick. We are days away from Donald Trump just having that painting made. Vladimir Putin, no shirt. Justin Trudeau, no shirt. Yeah, I fucking said it. I know a lot of you are thinking, Justin Trudeau, but he's always on a wave runner. Yeah, and not doing any work. Say what you will about Theresa May. She's in the office figuring out how to not be blamed for everything. <laughs> it is not going well for her. Let me say this about Theresa May. I would really like to meet her and just go, let's go back. It's June 2016. And someone says, Tree Tree, which I assume is her nickname. 
we want you to be PM. What would you say then? I feel like her answer would be no. As opposed to what her answer was then, which is, of course, it'll be fine. There's no way Brexit will drag out for a year with actually less answers. And there's no way I'm going to trigger an election that will go so poorly that people will actually think that, you know, Jeremy Corbyn, who has some great ideas and a lot of people root for him, but quite frankly, I didn't feel that he was strong enough on any particular issue. Also, he looks like he's always confused, and that does bother me. And by the way, he does bicycle ride around the park near my house. And he wears the type of shorts we spoke of earlier. <laughs> I cannot respect a man who does not know how to properly select shorts. I am aware that is simply an image superficial thing, but you know what? You are representing the country I pay taxes in. I want to see you in a baggy cargo short. <laughs> in one pocket, I want it marked with tape that says solution for Brexit. <laughs> Other pocket, it says solution for the NHS. In your main pocket, keys to your house. Other pocket, candy for me. <laughs> so we're at whose line is it anyway? We're not done this anecdote. We are almost done the show, though. Haven't even started it yet. <laughs> we will finish the, st uh, the anecdote, we'll start the show, and then immediately finish the show. <laughs> When we do finish the show, remember, it's pay what you want to get in. It's not pay what you don't want to get out. I fucked that up. Give me fucking money, assholes. Most shows on the paid fringe cost 10 pounds, so it's a suggested donation of 10 pounds. You don't feel like giving 10 pounds? Tough. Kidding. Give what you like. If you don't have any money, take a flyer from either show, go buy a ticket with a card, come see that. If anything, it's more prepared. Thank you, one guy. So I walk onto stage at Whose Line Is Anyway, 650 people who know two of them, and then there's Ruth, and then there's me, and uh, it's going very well. We start the first scene, it goes well. We do the second scene, and it goes, it's John and Colin, and we get on stage. Now, I haven't revealed to Colin Mockery that he's a big influence on my comedy. He's an amazingly talented man, and we start off on a scene, and to show the beautiful humor and how English Colin is, or Clive is. Clive goes, let's do a very, very un-Canadian scene. Your father and son tapping a maple syrup tree in a truck driving to a hockey game where Justin Trudeau is and Justin Bieber is playing hockey. But you hit a moose and the moose dies. Now here's the thing with Canadians, much like British people, Scottish people, Welsh people, English people, we don't like our stereotypes being brought up. And so, for the first time in my life, I got to mock an Englishman's idea of being funny with one of my heroes. And then he patted me on the back and said, you're not bad at this, winked, you're very good. And then I went, thank you, Clive. And he went, I'm Colin, and I went. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it, right? <laughs> Don't shake your head. Now, all right, now before we end the show, we have to start it. So can you just take a piece of paper out of that, please? Don't read it yet. Now, Alex, what is your name, sorry? Nina. Nina, yeah. it's a great name. Thank you. No problem, do you like your name? Yeah, I love my name. It's fucking wicked. Because <laughs> cool. Nina works in any situation. Angry, Nina. Happy, Nina. Confused, <laughs> Nina. <laughs> um, what is your last name? Attridge. Nina Attridge? Yeah. You sound like you solve mysteries. I could try. What do you do for a living, Nina Attridge? I'm a student. What are you studying? Politics and 
mathematics and French. You're going to have some mysteries to solve soon. <laughs> Such as why is the parliament on fire? What, uh, what aspects of politics are you uh, at all fascinated in? That's my bag, by the way. Okay. Um, not many anymore since I started studying it. I think you'll go far. <laughs> That's what I've always said about public service. Apathy required. You guys really didn't go for that joke. Um, favorite French word? Uh, pomplemousse. I know what that means, but tell everyone else. <laughs> Grapefruit. Yeah, I couldn't remember if it was grapefruit or a name. The name for grapefruit. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Nina. I selected reader of the title well, I think. Now, Alex, how would you like Nina to read the title of the show you just saw? Uh, <laughs> Let's keep it family, there, buddy. Oh. Here's the trick to a well. Southwell. Man, where were you at whose line this morning at 12? Um, now, here's the trick to a Welsh accent. Just pretend like you're singing a song you don't know the words to. It is really true. And let me tell you who does not find it funny. Most Welsh people. So Nina, I'm going to give you the microphone, and then you're going to fucking have at it. You're not going to make everyone very uncomfortable. They're very nice people. A few of them are a little confused of what they're saying, and those atheists want to talk to me afterwards. But <laughs> Listen up, Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens' brother who keeps going on about the drug war. What is his name, by the way? Uh, Peter. Peter Hitchens. Jesus, just drive off a cliff. <laughs> he was on Channel 4's news program, and he, he literally said, well... If you're on drugs, just stop. And I was just like, you haven't done drugs, man. <laughs> <laughs> and based on how your brother drank, I think I can get you on them pretty quickly. <laughs> oh, you guys didn't know Christopher Hitchens was a drunk? I guess you guys weren't paying attention where every lecture he ever gave, there was a comedically large bottle of whiskey just next to the podium. And someone over there is yelling about how uh, uh, all the violence carried out in the name of God is fine and just pouring a pint glass, downing it, and then just, <coughs> as if to say to the audience, watch this. <laughs> I thought Christopher Hitchens, his opinions about women, absolutely misguided and stupid. I thought some of his opinions about politics were absolutely fascinating. I think a lot of the things he exposed about the Catholic Church were very important. His documentary about Mother Teresa, you can find it on YouTube. Watch it. The best thing about Christopher Hitchens ever, it's one of his last interviews during 60 Minutes, and they're in his, um, his house, and he's trying to act very strong, but it's also very clear that he's packing up his things and selling them so he doesn't have to pay inheritance tax. And there's just something about it that's so beautifully human because there's just a painting wrapped up in paper and people kind of looking at it, see the camera, and move away. In the United States, he's an American citizen, and in the United States, there's a very heavy inheritance tax. So one of the tricks if you have a debilitating disease is you sell off all your stuff, make it cash, give that cash to your loved ones before you die, so then there's no tax on it. It's a little trick, and I know that it doesn't really help his memory and has put the whole show in a hole. Luckily, Nina's going to read this in a Welsh accent. <laughs> And we will be saved. Nina, the floor is yours. Great. Um, can't do Welsh. Okay. Sometimes, <laughs> Sometimes fun is just too much. <laughs> and that's okay. 
Sometimes fun is just too much, and that's okay. You know, I didn't know that was the title of the episode, but I think it really worked for what we did today because you guys had a lot of fun, but the heat in this room has become too much for any of us. So ladies and gentlemen, this has been Anything Be Podcast Podcast. You've been a crowd. I love you all. Goodbye. Goodbye.